Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of Back at the Guide Shack. I'm talking with Major Mike today. Say hey Mike. Hey, what's going on peeps? So, the program that we're doing on this podcast is a little different than normal. Today, I guess Mike is going to be interviewing me. Yeah, we'll shake it up a little bit, see yeah. what's going on in Mike's world. Uh, yeah, you'll get a, you'll maybe get some different stories than you're anticipating. Yeah, there should be some weirdness. I think if we dig deeper and peel back the onion, there's probably some strange and odd places we may go. Yeah, but fortunately, I've hired my own independent fact checkers. Well, that does check out. So, that, don't worry about what we're talking about. It's all legit. Absolutely. Everything it's been fact be... checked by the people I paid to fact check it. Yeah, 100% true. I mean, why wouldn't it be? Right. We don't tell any tall tales right here. Never. All right. So, I got just a little bit about you. Where did you grow up? Where did you get into rafting? You know, how did you uh, be the way you are now? How did I be the way I are now? Well, maybe not maybe well, not that big, you know. We don't need to, like, <laughs> I got up this morning and brushed my teeth. But, you know, just kind of a broad overview. Uh, so I was born in Hammond, Oregon. Mm-hmm. Not um, too far from where I grew up. No, it's actually, like, right there where uh, Free Willy jumps over the rocks. Right. It's all, I'm, like, less than a mile from there. Mm-hmm. Um, I have 12 siblings. Good Lord, your yeah. poor mother. Uh, well, she's got 13 of her best friends now because right. we're all adults. <laughs> Are they, though? Well, you know, we are the age of adults. There you go. I'm fine with that one. That checks out. <laughs> and most of us mostly support ourselves. There you go. Um, but I got into rafting because of a lot of different reasons. Uh, my dad has always been a pretty extreme adventure type person. Uh, he was a pastor, and he would go on mission trips out to Africa. Oh, cool. And when he was out there, he's like, well, I'm here. I might as well run the Zambezi. It's, you know, right, right down the road. It would be rude not to. It would be rude not to. Right. Right. So then he would come home, and I'm like probably 12, 10, 12 at the time, and he was bringing home these, like, VHS recordings of Damn, them running the Zambezi. Not beta, but VHS. You know? Yeah. He, has, he stepped it up a notch. Right, right, right. right. So, like, my first visual exposure to rafting is the Zambezi River. Wow. It is like taking these 20-foot rafts, standing them straight up in the air, and just tossing everybody into the river, into these just monster holes and wave trains. Well, and, and hippos and crocodiles. Well, yeah, we're not going to worry about the hippos and crocodiles. But for me, it was I thought that that is what rafting is. Oh, wow. Right. That was yeah, my pretty cool, very but... limited exposure right, yeah. to rafting, and I'm like... There is no way I am getting in one of those boats. Yeah, well, look what happened to you. Right. So then I get into, well, let's see. We went to Colorado for, my brother had uh, gotten into the Air Force Academy and had ended up graduating from the academy. And my cousins lived in Colorado Springs. Mm-hmm. So uh, my dad and my Uncle Dave, they set up a trip to where we went rafting in Browns Canyon on the Arkansas River. Mm-hmm. And that was my first time actually rafting. Okay. That's pretty uh, good, pretty gnarly stuff down in there, isn't it? Like I guess. Down through, I don't, down know, I don't Royal Gorge. I don't remember that. it that well. Because like I said, it's like this is right around, like I'm probably about 12, mm-hmm. 10, between in that like early t- double yeah. digits range. Tweens. Don't remember a lot of it. I've hit my head a bunch of times, and I've right. lost a lot of information. Yeah, you can't get hit in the head anymore. I, I, no, I know. i got to stop doing helmet that. Time, yeah. <laughs> I get the same problem. <laughs> I'm a very pro helmets these days. Right. <laughs> so, uh, went rafting on that. Then, soon after, um, I did like a 6th and 7th grade rafting trip, or I guess it would have been my 8th grade year. I did a rafting trip with uh, the school that I was with. It was like the first week of school you'd do a rafting trip with everybody it was kind of like a team building thing bonding like get everybody to know each other have allowed the new kids to kind of get to know people Mm -hmm. on a different level than a school setting right uh so then i did that and i was hooked okay uh from that point it was like any opportunity that we were going to go rafting i was in but i was also doing a lot of canoeing uh with some of my close friends uh in the astoria warrington area Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. We were out there canoeing a whole bunch. Oh, taco taco face. Taco face. Uh, when I hit high school, I got into whitewater kayak or whitewater canoeing. Okay. Um, and 
after that experience, thought maybe I needed to go like a kayaking route mm -hmm. because we sunk our canoe about four mm -hmm. times on the last trip that I had done in a canoe. Was that in Clatsop County? or did you No, that was out else? on, uh, we did that on, oh shoot, out in Fossil, the John Day. Oh yeah, way over there. Okay, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so we canoed the John Day and that mm -hmm. turned into just a total train wreck of an experience <laughs> and i was like maybe canoeing is not the route i need to take so i thought maybe kayaking would be what it is i got into the air force mm -hmm. and ended up in texas where there is no really rafting well. there's really not a lot of canoeing or kayaking either there is down on the uh, rio grande and a few other places yeah that was a long way yeah, from where yeah, i was yeah 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 Texas, it's a big state. It is. Big state. 15 hours. It's like, drive. It's like six cases of beer just to drive across it. In order, in order to be in a big state, you got to wear a big hat. I have a big hat. Oh, okay. Good, yeah, good, good. Checks out. <laughs> um, I got uh, on, went on deployment to Kyrgyzstan, where I got to go rafting on the Ala Archer River. Oh, wow. Which nice. was pretty rad. Mm -hmm. um, when I was stationed over there, they like somebody tossed out that there was an opportunity to go whitewater rafting uh -huh. and I rallied the troops. It was like, how many people do we need to make this work? Right. Got to have a minimum of 15, no more than 20. And I was like, solid, I'll we get do 18 people. Let's right. do this. Uh, went out there and it was awesome. And it just kind of like brought back that drive to go find whitewater. Was it paddle boating or was it? Yeah, it was just paddle guiding. Just there was guiding. no, there were no oar systems on the back. I, just, I didn't know. I mean, the paddle guiding yeah. is the way to go, in my opinion, if yeah. you can help it. Uh, mm -hmm. On the rogue, we definitely were using oars because of all the flat, flat water. water. Right. Um, but from there, uh, got out of the Air Force, worked in the oil field for a little bit, mm -hmm. ended up in Southern Oregon by chance, yeah, where lucky. there is tons of white water, mm -hmm. and immediately got myself a kayak, started kayaking until. I realized that I'm not good at that. I'm a little top-heavy right. as a kayaker. All my weight's in my shoulders, and nothing's in my waist or below. I got the same problem when I first started hard showing. It yeah. was miserable. So I flipped a kayak probably about a year into that endeavor and smashed my face on a low-water rock, knocked out half my front tooth, mm. and uh, decided that maybe I needed to look into rafting again. A little more forgiving in some Something places. that's slightly yeah. more forgiving. Right. Uh, my buddy Kiermit. Uh, him and his mm -hmm. wife at the time were doing a birthday, like a couple weeks after me knocking half my tooth out, and they had rented rafts to go float the rogue. Mm -hmm. Down uh, in the lower section or just, just uh, a day, day section? Just, mm -hmm. uh, you know, hogs to, I think we went hogs to Almeida. Mm -hmm. um, at which point, they had me row because mm -hmm. of everybody in the boat. I was the most physically apt to be able to sort that out. Right. Uh, and from that point on, I was hooked into rafting like you wouldn't believe. I went out, got a boat, got a frame, got oars, got another boat, got another frame, got it paddles, sounds got about helmets. Like my freshman year gear buying got, year. I'm out <laughs> buying life jackets. I'm like, I need to be able to have enough gear for my friends to right? go boating with yeah, me. Yeah, so, I mean, that's great. You got It's still fun to go by yourself. No. Yeah. Well, I mean. Sometimes. Then, well, then after a little bit, like I started getting these just total bullshit excuses. They're like, oh, it's Tuesday and I have a job. No. Yeah. And it was oh, like, that's, that's crap. Like, come on, man. Yeah. Be better. Go boating. Yeah, go boating. You're going to learn way more doing that than at some dull, dreary office job. Right. I mean, like who wants to like, call in sick or something? Yeah, like exactly. be better. Yeah. Anyway, from that point, I realized that it wasn't feasible for me to go rafting very often unless I became a raft guy. There you go. At which point, then people would try to give money to me. No. To you get take paid them. for this? Yeah, yeah. Wait, you're not? No. Maybe. Oh, you're on the assistant guide assistant. program. Yeah, I think yeah. there's a company that no, we yeah, kind of run around with sometimes. So yeah. the way that that works is, is if you're, uh, well, if... If you're new, mm -hmm. obviously, right, I'm very you're, new. you're not a real guide. You're just an assistant guide. Right. So what you'll do is you'll just row the boats for free. That's a great idea. A solid plan. I mean, you yeah. still get tipped out at the end of the trip like everybody else. But okay. as far as uh, the company itself, they are not going to give you any um, American monies. But... Mm. Uh, when you die, I'm told that you will have full consciousness. Well, they got that going for them. So, yeah, at least yeah. they got that going for them. Right. Yeah. That sounds like, I don't think I'd like that program very much. It's a different program. Yeah. Any Hoosers, mm -hmm. uh, from the time I decided I was going to be a guide, went and took guide school with a company that provided a multi-day guide school, which kind of mostly taught you how to control a raft as mm -hmm. far as paddle guiding 
and being a like what they were calling an OPC, which is an oar paddle combo, mm -hmm. where you have oars on the stern and you got paddlers up front. Like we wrote for Morrison's. Like what we wrote yeah. for Morrison's. Yeah. Um, and then the flip side of that was on the last four days is we did a lower rogue trip and they showed you this is how you set up your kitchen. These are the meals you're going to be able to you're going to be wanting to make for your guests. These are the things that you should know how to do in order to be a proficient raft guide. Yeah, I had to learn that by. Trial and error. And pain. Yeah. Because yeah, human yeah. beings learn through pain. No, that's for sure. Yeah. Human beings, we learn through pain, for mm -hmm. sure. Yeah. Some of us don't, but most of us do. Most of you do. Right. So then... Uh, uh, so then I uh, went out, got a woofer, swift water search that yeah, winter. That's, that's on the thing this winter for me. And from there, I got a job working at Morrison's, and I've been guiding at Morrison's ever since. This is what, three, third year now? Yeah, this Fourth? is the end of my third summer. In the third summer? Right. Yeah. Having a good summer? Oh, I've been having a blast. I've been all over the place doing all sorts of stuff. I've been running Nugget, Day Section, and Lower Rogue trips. Um, yeah, I've seen you. I worked with you, you know, I don't know, five, six, seven times on the Day Section, and then you'd be off doing a Nugget run or down the canyon, and we just had kind of off schedules and whatnot. But, yeah, well, yeah. It keeps, I keep mixing it up, so that yeah. way I don't end up doing the same stretch of river over, over and, and over and, and over again. And a lot of yeah. people are like, oh, the Day Section's boring. Well, here's some advice for you. You can make it be fun. a more exciting human, right? And it won't be such a boring day. That is true. But, I've been working on that on the morning the AM section. It's oh, you got to start. You got to tell stories, man. Yep. You got to be. Well, we talked about this last time. You got to be an entertainer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you got a captive 100%. audience. Yeah, that's. I mean, I got a couple solid stories that I tell that usually like they'll consume a little bit of time when I'm on the raft. I'll really elaborate a lot more and like draw it out longer, mm -hmm. so that way it's like. Oh, I just killed five to ten minutes over this flat water. They were looking at stuff, laughing at the jokes, moving on. So let's get into that a little bit. Some of these stories that you tell. Like what, I've heard like some which, very which kind of, like the, the All of them are obviously true. Every single naturally. one. Naturally. Yeah, absolutely. It would be. Yeah. I wouldn't uh, lie to people. So <laughs> I've heard, no, absolutely not. So I've heard... I heard a lot of the Badrone Monkey story. I think you covered that in a lot of detail, the different theories and your theory where they came. You know, we might just touch I don't on know that. If, I don't know minute. if we've really gone into different theories. I have the real This is the real story. story. This is a real story. There's other people who have come up with their own conspiracy theories on how the Madrone Monkeys came to be in Southern Oregon. Some would suggest that it was a plane that was flying uh, some... Monkeys for uh, the Oregon Zoo. Mm -hmm. I but heard it that crashed. One. That's a good one. It crashed in the Calamiopsis wilderness, mm -hmm. and the monkeys got out, and they've created a population. But that's not the truth. Okay. Okay. Now the truth is, is back in the early, well, I guess the early '80s, or maybe even the late '70s. I don't know. I wasn't alive then, so I can't really fully attest to the exact year that this happened. Well, it was a river guide. I'm only one year old, so I mean, true. You know, it depends on how yeah. you date yourself. So. What happened was, is out in Cave Junction, where the Tiger Preserve is now, oh, yeah. it was a full-blown zoo. They had all sorts of animals there. There was like, they had giraffes and zebras and monkeys and tigers and... and, and a zoo. It was a zoo. Right. You know? And uh, some of the people in the nearby community of Tequilma, mm -hmm. um, very hippie-esque population I've, I've always wanted to drive down there I haven't it's made it pretty down sweet they got yeah. like these tree houses out there like you definitely should go check it out but yeah. maybe talk to some of the old timers about when they uh when they decided that primates don't deserve to be in cages no oh, that's where the uprising started yeah okay. so some of the more uh well, for lack of a better term the more hippy dippy type people who didn't mm -hmm. like the primates in cages they broke in to this zoo and they kidnapped all of the monkeys why wouldn't they i mean they're right well there was like yeah there's like 15 to 20 mm -hmm. different types of monkeys in the zoo at the time from what i was told that's like a big gene pool i mean right that's a huge know. gene I, pool I now granted not all of them can survive in our climate right. by themselves right. but enough of them could mm -hmm. so when they released them i would say probably half the monkeys probably died almost immediately yeah, well, I mean, they're used to being fed every day. Now you got to go right. out and find. Now they got to find their right? own. They right, got to yeah. like sort it out. Well, Some it's of like the bear relocation program. You know? Exactly, it doesn't always work out. It doesn't always work out. Mm -hmm. But they took them out into the Calamiopsis wilderness, which not a lot of people know this, but the Calamiopsis wilderness actually connects with the Rogue Wilderness, mm -hmm. and those two wildernesses combined create one of the largest uh, wilderness areas in the Lower Forty Eight. So I think the only one I know that's bigger is like Frank Church. Is that the Idaho Wilderness? Yeah, the River No Return the yeah. Church, the Frank. So 
they release all these monkeys out here into this completely untouched human by humans area. And over time, they've slowly been producing into a new breed of monkey as they kind of breed with each other. And they've created what we now refer to as a Southern Oregon Madrone monkey. monkey. yes. Now, we call them that uh, because they actually peel the bark off of Madrone trees in order to get to the insects that are yeah. down underneath. Oh, absolutely. Now, like a surefire way that you can tell that a Madrone monkey has been in the local area is when you see a Madrone tree that's been stripped all, all the, the way, way down. down. Mm-hmm. We've yeah, seen a lot of those this time of year. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, they're really getting after those bugs, mm-hmm. which is nice. We need that bug control. Right. So we don't want to get rid of them. And uh, they're not to be confused with the ringtail cats. No, I was going to bring up the ringtails here in a bit. Yeah. Because I think there's something going on there in another cross story. But Well, the ringtail cats are hard to see because they're nocturnal. Yeah, they are. They're only up at night. Um, well, aren't, the, mostly, aren't the monkeys nocturnal also? I've heard that, but I've seen them in the daytime. Like down on like the Clay Hill Stillwaters, mm-hmm. over on the left hand side. side. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, it's like before you get to Floridell. Right. Um, on the left hand side, I've seen I've seen a couple monkeys up, up in there. The tree doing yeah, their yeah, thing. Yeah. yeah. They're just yeah. kind of hanging out. Yeah, I heard that uh, population kind of got a little diminished this this summer. I, I, I've looked at it a few times and haven't seen them. I was told that the BLM uh, went in and tried to get rid of them. Invasive uh, species control. It's like an invasive species type thing. Yeah. It's just ridiculous. That's just not cool, man. But, uh, yeah, that's that's basically where our Southern Oregon Madrone monkey population came from. Yep. So I've heard it was uh, that they started at the Clay Hill. No. That was a monkey research facility at one time. And, and Clay Hill? Went, yeah, that's Clay Hill Stillwaters. No. And then the monkeys were in their cages, you know, being, in, you know, checked out when the flood of 64 came through. They didn't huh. want them to just drown, so they just let them free into the wild. So Assuming they were going to catch them again. Right, yeah. Because they they're going to come back to the food, but they just got into their, their environment and just went wild out there. Interesting. I had so, not heard about that. No, everything I heard says that they came from that... Uh, from out there in... Uh, out there Cave in Cave Junction. Junction. Okay, that checks out, because Cave Junction is a different place. It's very different. <laughs> uh, but yeah. Uh, the Now, the minor cats, or mm-hmm. the uh, ringtail cats... Right. They actually were brought in in the 1850s when the miners came in because there were guys who would travel with the mining camps mm-hmm. who had ringtail cats with them. Right. And then they would kind of just help to keep the mice, mice population control, down. Control, See, right. ringtail cats are nocturnal just like mice. Right. So when the mice are running around, the ringtail cats are just getting after it and they're just killing all the mice. That's why there's like virtually no mice at Paradise or Black Bar Lodge. They're not at Mariel though, are they? I don't. I've never seen a ringtail cat at Mariel, but mm-hmm. I have seen them at Black Bar, and I have seen them at Paradise. I have yet to get my eyes on one, but I've heard they're just really cool animals. Well, you said you're rolling with the Helfridge in the yeah, uh, I think, one uh, of the Helfridge branch offs this winter. I'll be with uh, Tight Lines uh, running uh, lunch and bag boat. And I start that on Wednesday morning with our first launch. Hell with, yeah. With Bama, so that'll be a fun trip. Or fun, fun fall, anyway. My first trip on the fish trip starts on the 8th. I'm launching out with Springer's crew. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it'd be a good so, fall. Yeah. So, but I was wondering, you know, because, you know, I mean, it seems like the industry, the rafting industry is like really, really bouncing back like this year, even though we're still dealing with some COVID variants and whatnot. Um, and I wasn't a raft guy last summer. Like I said, this is my first year. But what, what do you see the difference in between last year and this year uh, due to COVID? Not a lot. Really? Honestly, like last summer, I think we had our highest occupancy of rafters on the lower that we've ever had. And then this summer, we, we did even it. more. Yeah, I think so we like on track for 1,600. Right. There's people who are out and about. They want to go rafting. Well, it's good they're out because they after that sticking in the houses all the time and, you know, I don't know, whatever. If you want to self-quarantine and all that other stuff. Well, you know why whatever. you know why we self-quarantined, right? Well, you know, I, I quarantine because I don't, I don't really like people anyway that much in the first that place. <laughs> but at the end of the day, you know, it seemed like the thing to do. And we'll hang out. And I went out and bought, you know, a couple rolls of toilet paper and some ammunition and more than a couple rolls of ammunition, I'll say. But, you know, it, it checks out, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I got my drone, you know. I had the neighborhood lockdown plan going, you know. <laughs> well, see, now a lot of people don't know this. So no, what you're, oh. you're referring to is during the COVID lockdown. Right, yeah. Uh, okay. February, March, March, I think it was. Well, maybe April. I don't remember exactly. So, 
it, it goes much deeper than a virus. Really? Yeah. So, like, in order to really know the story, you really have to go all the way back to Davy Crockett. Okay. What does a virus have to do with Davy Crockett? I mean, exactly. That don't that doesn't. I mean, other than smallpox, you know, some other things going on. I'm not buying it yet. Let's... Okay. Well, let me explain. All right. I'm gonna explain. Don't worry. Yeah. I got facts to back it up. Hey, you got your own fact checkers. So exactly. They, they checked, checked all this. Oh yeah. Why so, what happened was in the early 1800s with Davy Crockett, uh, there was a massive rabies pandemic in the raccoon population. Okay. Yeah, there okay. still kind of is in a few areas. Yeah, that and uh, plague. That's what they tell you to keep you away from the raccoons. No, I, yeah, I don't care for them that much. You see, Davy Crockett, do you know why he is famous, ultimately? Well, he died at the Alamo. No, that's not why he's famous. Oh. He's famous because of his coonskin cap. Yeah, yeah, that was always his big thing. Right. Mm-hmm. Do you know why he wore a coonskin cap? Because uh, he, he, <laughs> he had killed every North American raccoon ever. All of them. And when he killed the last one, he made a hat out of him and wore it like a trophy. Wiped out. Total decimation. Total decimation. Wiped him out. That's a hell of a hunter. In the early 1900s, mm-hmm. uh, probably like 1908, 1909, mm-hmm. uh, at the uni- or Yale University. Right. There was a secret society known as the Skull and Bone Society. Yeah, I've heard of these guys. Okay. There was a movie not too long or not uh, twenty years ago that came yeah. out about that. Sort of, but yes. Yeah. Anyway, uh, anyway, at the Skull and Bones Society, they recruited a gentleman by the name of Prescott Bush. Any now, relation? Oh, it's Grandpappy Bush. Okay, so. In order for him to get into the Skull and Bone Society, they told him that he had to steal the skull of Geronimo. So he broke into Geronimo's tomb, stole the skull, and that skull now sits in the Skull and Bones clubhouse. That's a ballsy man. Right? It is. But he got in. Right. So now he's part of the Skull and Bone Society. Okay. As he's here, he promotes that they um, create a raccoon lookalike. Dope. Okay. Almost like a robot, but that wasn't really the technology that they had at yeah, the time. Yeah, they're still doing springs and was, gears, right? And they were doing springs and gears, yeah. and like you could, it wasn't, it wasn't good enough. Mm-hmm. Now, when the Skull and Bone Society founded the CIA shortly after World War II, did they were able. Did it start out with us? Well, they yeah yeah they, yeah when some they, other stuff yeah we're gonna just go with the the letters CIA, CIA. Yeah, everybody enough. knows about them. Mm-hmm. They don't know about the OSS or any of the other covert right. All kinds of weird things. Things that we have done. Now, the Skull and Bone Society has exclusively controlled the CIA since day one of its creation. That does check out. Now, from there, after World War II, they were able to take German engineers, utilize some quality German engineering to create these raccoons that were capable of going through your trash. You ever wondered why... Raccoons are always going through people's trash. Oh, I used to have a hell of a time keeping them out of my garbage up right. where I lived on the coast. They're that makes bad. a lot of sense, mm-hmm. Mike. They're watching you. Oh, yeah. I always felt a, you know, just the like raccoons, something's checking me out. The raccoons are robots that go through your trash to find out information about you, much like the Scientologists do when someone <laughs> leaves Scientology. Oh, yeah. They'll totally watch They just you go for through a while, your trash yeah. and they just watch you, and they were mm-hmm. using these raccoons in order to uh, basically navigate around having uh, warrants. They actually ended up getting a lot of mobsters and uh, different gangs. They were able to get enough information on them through these raccoons that they were able to take them down. It's like Jager Hoover was all in this. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. And the whole Kennedy thing. 100%. All of it. Naturally. Yeah. So. How's your your pork chop in a can anyway? It's fantastic. Well, hams. It's mother's milk. It's pretty good stuff. Can we do a little plug for hams? Mm, we just did. Okay. All right. So, when they realized how incredibly, uh, like, uh, I, I, it's not profitable is not the right word. Uh, it's not, like, I don't know. They just, they were able to... Effective? Effective. Efficient, effective, yeah. It was how effectively efficient it was at collecting data that they thought they should expand the program even further to beyond just raccoons. So, not a lot of people know this, but there are three species of birds 
that are not real birds. You've been told they're real birds your whole life. Well, I never get very close to them. They just, yeah. They get close to you. Yeah. You ever oh, yeah. seen a, you ever seen a stellar jay? I have. Yes. Those dark blue birds. Mm, they the got the black head, head yeah, with yeah. the mohawk, and mm-hmm. they just like land on your picnic table. Oh yeah. So that way they can like, they can like watch you and listen in on your conversations. That's the CIA, man. Same with pigeons, red-breasted robins. They have little cameras in their eyes and microphones underneath their wings so they can record you. Now, this program was going great, Mm -hmm. okay? But unfortunately, their charging systems were uh, so primitive because Mm -hmm. they were the original charging systems. Those solar powers come a long ways. It has. But like the best way and most effective way to charge the birds Mm -hmm. was to have them land on power lines. Uh, And they would just charge Charge through the the claws as they held onto the wire. Can you throw your cell phone on Absolutely. on the, on the indirect chargers? Unfortunately, that yeah. doesn't work for the raccoons. Yeah. Oh. Okay. They get they get fried. Well, they're bigger. They're a lot bigger. They have to like span two wires and right. then the, and yeah, then the charge is too yeah. much and so and also they were trying to get the birds to go spy on people where there were no power lines. Like they're trying to spy on like people who have gone off the grid. Off the grid, right? You know. Um, and so over time, they've ended up having a lot of their drones and their 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 bird drones and their raccoon drones have like the batteries have died. Mm-hmm. So like uh, it was a while ago. You, you're old enough. You'll probably remember. So in probably the year 2020, okay, mm-hmm. they had to fake a pandemic in order to keep everyone indoors. And they were like. If everyone stays inside for two weeks, we'll beat this. That's right. Because yeah. they thought that it would only take two weeks you gotta beat the to curve. go find all of those drones and replace the batteries. Mm-hmm. See, they wanted to replace the batteries on all these things while nobody was out. Yeah, so the red-breasted ravens. Red-breasted robins. The red-breasted robins. The stellar jays. Stellar jays. And pigeons. And pigeons. Yeah. Okay. They can get recharged, yada, yada, yada. Right. Um, but the raccoons couldn't recharge that way, so they got to go change the batteries. I'm just making sure we're yeah. keeping up with all this. Well, and like the raccoon dens had like little charging things in there that mm-hmm. the raccoons could plug just themselves plug into, into right. but they didn't always make it back. Yeah. The, the battery, it's like, like, you know how like on an iPhone, like at the beginning, mm-hmm. you like have really good power, right? but then like the After- more times that you've charged it and drained the battery, like... Well, it, it can't go as far. So, like, they were dying before they could get back to their charging stations. Engineered obsolescence. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Naturally. Mm-hmm. Um, and so they utilized that, but then they realized that with the batteries being dead, it was really hard to find, find it. it. Yeah. So, like, it took them almost two years in order to find all of their drones. And they're, like, constantly trying to keep the people inside, but the people mm-hmm. are like, we don't want to be inside we're anymore. We're outside. We're done I want vitamin D. I got my I got my Trump bucks. I want to go out and buy a bunch of outdoor gear. <laughs> so now nobody could buy anything. Yeah, 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 yeah. Cool, 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 cool. Right. No, no, yeah, good, so, good. like, uh, yeah, so that's really why we were all being forced to stay indoors. That uh, that checks out. Yeah, I know. And people, like, made a run on toilet paper. They were like, I don't know if I'm going to have enough toilet paper to keep shitting for the next couple of months. Toilet paper, ammunition, Sawyer blades. Come on. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah right? rude. I haven't been, yeah, trying to get yourself a new set of some Sawyer Dynalite blades is, like, Good luck. virtually impossible. I've been waiting two months. Dude, I, you know what really got me? Is when I went to the store to get myself some Nutter Butters, sold out. Whole sold shelf. Out. Whole shelf of Nutter Butters. Just gone. Rainier no more Nutter beer. Butters. I went to three places to find Rainier beer today. Nothing. Yeah. Miller Lite. Nothing. They're just trying to control us, man. They ran out of Coors Light like two months ago. I couldn't even get cans. I don't know. Somebody's the aggression it. will not stand, man. <laughs> no, it will not. <laughs> that might have been over the line, Donnie. <laughs> Toad the fucking line. Is this a league game? The market is zero. Right, market is zero. Market <laughs> is zero. Well, you know, I, I can I can see where you're coming from. It, you know, I kind of try to keep a skeptical eye, but having worked for the government for thirty years, I know uh, how incompetent they are. Uh, that and they're not out for your best interest. That's for damn sure. Um, no, they're not. That never but, happened. You know, but this is way better. Way better. That's why we go rafting to hey. not have to pay attention to the fuckery. True. And it helps. Well, when you get down the canyon, you can tell a customer anything you want. 
As long as it's been independently fact-checked by the right. people you've paid to independently fact-check your information. Well, they can't fact-check it on the spot. No, they can't, but you've <laughs> already done it, so they right, don't need yeah, to. Right, yeah, they're good to go. I mean, yeah, you don't need to fact-check this. We're upstanding, gentlemen. I know, we're like CNN. That's right. We only give out the right information. MSNBC's got it down. Fox News, top quality reporting there. Yeah, they report. Let you decide. <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's their slogan, I'm pretty sure. It could be uh, live and unfiltered, I think I heard. We lie to you, and you buy it. That should be their slogan. Uh, my slogan <laughs> is baseball bat to my TV and quit watching cable news. I hear that. Yeah, I don't even watch YouTube, Hulu, pick my programming. It's a diet of the mind. Makes sense. Yeah. So, yeah. like, uh, so you finish it up your first rafting season. I did. Yeah, because this is the we're not last gonna, trip with Morrison's. We're not going to consider fishing season as part of rafting season because you're not actually rafting. You're in a raft with the gear, but everybody else is going to be in a drift boat. It sounds like a cush gig. It's pretty soft. Well, I don't know about yours, but the the gig I'm on is definitely cush. Mm-hmm. It is, uh, so what's your program you're doing? Our program is we fish just enough to where people get fish, and then the rest of the trip is more of an adventure ride in a drift boat. Which, yeah, it is adventure ride. It is. Good God. I mean, I you never know if row one down there. <laughs> you never know if your boat's gonna sink, so that's exciting. Keep you on your toes. Telfer was growling this week when I went by. Yeah, well, and I'm also a little curious this year is like how low the water's gonna end up getting. Yeah. Um, well, what we were talking earlier, what, them, eight eight hundred, well, eight fifty. If them flushing the flows or flushing the river to reduce the temps mm-hmm. um, is at seventeen hundred coming out of Lost Creek. Yeah. Last year it was at 2300. So we're already down 600 CFS from where we were last year. You know, I um, drove back down there through there the last of July and there was hardly any water in the damn reservoir. It was There's no water dry. in that fucking thing, dude. It's empty. Uh, I don't know what's your estimate. 900 or below? So last fall we saw 900. I will not be horridly surprised that if it doesn't rain here in the next month uh, we're going to be probably looking at potentially seeing some 800 or lower CFS flows. The lowest I've run it is about 1120 at Grants Pass, and there were more rocks than yeah. Try doing I it. Believe. Try doing it at 900 in Grants Pass. There's a lot more rocks. You learn about rocks in that river that most of the people who are raft guides have never, never fucking seen, seen them. Right? They're like, oh, I floated, o- I floated <laughs> over that for three fucking months and didn't even know that it existed. Well, I mean, I was I've been seeing that from when we were rowing it in July, and it was around eleven or late June. It was around eleven fifty, twelve hundred, uh, and then now it's around sixteen. Yeah. And so I was like, "Oh my god!" You know, I wait a second. Where, I know there's rocks in here. Oh, okay. Oh, the rocks are like right there. Yeah. Oh, they're yeah, tight too. Yeah. Blossom's gonna get really <coughs> interesting down there. Not really. So I don't know. I shouldn't say that. Sorry. It's always interesting. It's always interesting. Right. But in my experience, the lower the flow goes, the less pushy it is. And like you don't have to bounce off the Boeing Rock at the bottom of the slide because it's not shoving you downstream like it does at higher flows. So yeah. everything's going to slow down a little mm-hmm. bit and it's going to give you a little more time. But again, there's well, going to be rocks. The there's going to be some rocks that you've never seen in the beaver slide before. Wow. Okay. Okay. Well, I, I actually found a couple of them. I actually, <laughs> this last trip, I was, it was a pretty heavy boat and had some, some casts on. I mean, it was heavy for me. It was the heaviest one I've rode this season. They just kept getting progressively heavier, which is good for learning. Yeah, well, it's been you're a great training. learning season. Yeah. And you're building muscles in yeah. your shoulders for rowing the lunch gear for well, fish yeah. trips. And looking at, you know, knowing what to look at, knowing what angles, what momentums, you know, and, and learning from each trip. Uh, but I actually, not wrap, but I tacked. <laughs> Uh, so there's the clamshell, and then there's a rock right behind the clamshell. Yeah. And then there's Volkswagen, which is over to river right, and probably, I don't know, 15 feet downstream. So I came down, and I smashed Volkswagen pretty hard, nose on, kind of on purpose. And I bounced back into river left, and I ra- uh, attacked the back of my boat on that Backside of clamshell? <laughs> no, not the backside of clamshell. Oh, the rock, the, the rock behind, behind clamshell. And I was like, he's hanging out there. Like, <laughs> customer cell phone. Bloop. 
over the bank, lost a brand new Apple iPhone. I was like, oh, sorry, dude. You know, you've been down here 22 times on these trips. Maybe you should have wore a lanyard. Just saying. <laughs> yeah, but he hadn't lost a phone before. Yeah, well, you know, <laughs> run a class four without a lanyard. See what happens. <laughs> Mine doesn't come out. It stays in my dry box. But uh, right. that was the first time I'd ever done that. That was kind of fun. Nice. Learn not to do that again. I mean, bumping it, bumping it nose on. Yeah, that's a nice trick if you don't so, quite make the right turn. But yeah. What would you say? So like downriver trips, mm-hmm. obviously very different than day trips. Yes. You're making breakfast, you're making lunch, you're making dinner, mm-hmm. you're living with the other guides that you're now guiding with. Mm-hmm. Uh, there is not a lot of time to disconnect from any of those people. Mm-hmm. Um, how did you handle that as far as like, I mean, I know you are in the military, so you have done that in the past where you had to just... I have to work. Yeah, I with have you to work with you. Day we'll figure in, out how to make day it work. out for multiple days at mm-hmm. a time. Um, did you find that to be fun? Did you find that to be um, interesting? Because you probably haven't been stuck in three days with uh, such eclectic miscreants as such. What I found it was, was I I really worked on myself and tried to mark it all up to way up to learning experience. Right. It's like if somebody does something that, that works really well and that, that program is, you know, I want to incorporate that into a program or something that's going to make my life easier, then I'll grab that like a toolbox. I'll put that in my toolbox. Right. Um, if I think it's utter crap, like what we were talking about earlier, that's not going in the toolbox. Right. You know, uh, but as far as first year guide, I'm just bringing everything in and trying not right. to judge anything, you know, because right. And, and as far as people, people are people, you know, 95% of the people, 99% of the people you're going to work with are pretty good, decent human beings. Mm-hmm. Um, there's that, I don't know, maybe 5% I've got some really weird personality flaws and conflicts. Uh, 99% of that I think comes down to ego. Oh, huge. If you just put your freaking ego away, you can pretty much get along with anybody. Oh, absolutely. But also, like, everybody who rows a boat, whether they want to admit it or not, we all have pretty big egos. Yeah. We wouldn't be out there hucking class four, class five rapids if we didn't have big egos. We think well, very highly of ourselves. I guess there's there's ego where you project out, maybe. Mm-hmm. And then there's ego where you branch in. And maybe you want to put that as in a confidence. Okay. Like I can do this. Not very many other people can do this, or maybe a lot of people can do it, but I can do it better than that. And that gives me a little bit of, you know, hey, I, I did that well. You know, I ran that rapid really clean. My line is <laughs> greasy through Mule Creek, where's randomness everywhere you go down right. there. Um, but as far as like getting along with people, uh, get up, work hard, don't be, you know, be able to do your job. And then, you know, just put it all behind you. You know, when you're tired, you're going to have problems and just work through it. But right. if you just put the, put away the attitude, put away the ego and, and learn, then you're going to have a good trip. Yeah. I mean, I remember my first summer, I think a lot of the uh, older guides thought that I was either like a little pretentious asshole or had like a way too big inflated ego because I was always questioning what they were doing. But it wasn't I was questioning what they were doing because... Questioning was, how and why they did it, maybe. Right. Yeah. I want to know the rhyme for... The, I want to know the, the reason, reason for the rhyme. Right. I want to know the purpose behind the task. Right. Mm-hmm. I don't just want to blindly do whatever I'm being told to do because that's what I was forced to do in the, Ar- in the Air Force. Like, you don't get to ask questions. Here, I feel like I'm allowed to ask questions. Like, hey, why did we do that? Oh, because of this, this, and this. this. Oh, Great fucking, idea. Yeah. Duh. Right. That makes so much fucking sense now. Yeah. And, uh, well, one I, of the- I still, I'm still asking guys like this summer, I haven't done a ton of paddle guiding until this summer. Mm-hmm. And so I knew that there was a couple other guides who had done paddle guiding and they, well, those Colorado boys were doing oh, a yeah. lot of paddle guiding. There's some good, bunch of savages. There. Yeah. They're getting uh, after it. And they were like, this foot cup is stupid. And I was like, well, Okay. That's like your opinion. Cool, whatever. Mm-hmm. I tried using the foot cup. I think I used it one time all summer. For you. And I was like, they are 100%, 100% right. <laughs> and then I went back to them like, all right, without the foot cup, how are you keeping yourself locked in to where when you go over the monkey's fist, you're not getting popped three, four feet in, up in the air? 
mm-hmm. and like each one of them had different ways of locking their and feet so, in. Right. And it was like, cool, okay. And I took all of those things and I figured out which what one worked you. best for me. Mm-hmm. Where I wasn't coming out of the, like one of the ways I tried it for like three trips in a row where I tried locking in and it I was locked in great. Mm-hmm. Uh, but at the end of the day, my knee felt like I had been fucking tackled at yeah. the knees. And it was like, okay, that that's not for me. That's a great way to lock in, but it's not going to work for me. So I'm, I'm jealous of you, man. You get a lot more paddle guiding experience, and that's something that I've <laughs> never done. Uh, but that's something I'm going to work with, uh, hopefully you this winter, and maybe Jay Blue and Garn and oh, yeah. uh, uh, Danielle and a bunch of, I mean, uh, we're doing that. We're looking at putting together a uh, Illinois expedition in like late March, April time frame. We'll see how oh, that yeah. pans out. Uh, when the guy was in yeah the guy that i work with on this last trip darren yeah uh he used to guide down there on that trip so he says he's done it like 30 times man hell yeah yeah and so like we're trying to get him in brunt brunt blanco brant i think you're saying branton branton yeah yeah uh i guess he's in yeah yeah for sure uh drew drew wants in hell yeah drew wants in Drew's a savage. Oh, and that dude was such he on like 42 days last I checked. Yeah, straight just, turn and like, burns. I just fucking raft. Yeah. Always. Brent's I like, it. I didn't mean to do that to him. <laughs> Poor dude. Just getting hammered downstream. Uh, last time I saw him on the river, uh, did a three day camp lodge and we stayed at Taiyi. And he was just fried, just done. And we just basically just sent him to bed and we'd all made dinner and it was just time for him to take a little nappy nap you go to sleep you're yeah. really tired you can see this you're really you're trying really hard and we appreciate that about you but you are combat ineffective it's time for a nap <laughs> yeah. uh, but that was a long push from uh Ty-E all the way down to uh where did we go paradise from Taiyi to paradise not yeah. on a camp lodge or a camp camp a uh, camp lodge but just a single camp and a lodge right why wouldn't you have gone to Horseshoe? Because we were camped up with uh, the four-day camp. It was one of those oh, split-start no. things. Those are so stupid. Oh, my God. So Those need to never happen not one time next summer. So we left Taiyi, and the wind started blowing right above Russian. That's cool. And it didn't stop uh, till we pulled into Paradise. I it think I remember day. that day. Because I was up here, and from the time we put on the water, I pushed until we got off the water. Mm-hmm. And, like... Both me and Ellen got back to the lodge, <laughs> derigged the boats, and just like, like, what in the actual fuck oh, bet, just happened? I'll bet Smolin's Corner there was just miserable. I mean, that's... Yeah, and you guys would have had to push, so... You guys would have had to push, like, 20 miles? Man, 22 I, I think miles? We, it was like 19.4 or something Shut like that. fuck Yes. Up. That is brutal. So I'm in, I'm in a lunch boat with two customers. And <laughs> Dustin had a, or a, just Jonas had a five pack and I'm watching him get blown all over the river that day. And I'm like doing every little trick that I've learned all season long to stay in the current. Cause I was going to get smoked and I had still had to save everything for the grand finale there at Blossom. Yeah. And uh, we pulled into paradise and I just kind of put the oars down in the water and just kind of laid my head down on the cooler and, Maybe whimpered and cried a little bit. <laughs> a little, little pee might have come out. I don't know. <laughs> we do our program up there at Paradise. Everything's all fun. We get down to the boats the next morning. We're getting ready. To, we're loading everything up. And I look at look at him. I go, I don't think I even have like 70 to 80% of what I had yesterday. Because we were just, oh, long yeah. day. Long day. But yeah, 19 four And luckily, the river's got a pretty good gradient on that section. True. Um. But, uh, yeah, it was, uh, we were pretty dang sore by the time we got there. <laughs> it was, it was a good learning experience, you know, cause you, and, and what that. it did what, when you're tired like that, it forces you to use every trick and it forces you to refine all those tricks and it forces you to learn every little nuance that you can to make it more efficient. And you, uh, you start seeing the value of feathering your blades. Yes. All day long. You know, it's like, Oh, in fact, that's when, actually where when I really they come out of the water, it. they need to be flat. flat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, when you're trying to push into the wind, or don't bring them out of the or water. Bring at all. Them out. It's hard to do with the blades I got right now, but yeah. you can do it. But it's not optimal. It's, it's almost as much work. Yeah, if not more. Unless you're just short stroking. Yeah, just up up short stroking. And 
but yeah, I'm looking forward to getting the new blades as soon as they come in. That'd be nice. Yep. If they ever come in. I'm beginning to think I got a snowball's chance of hell of ever seeing my blades. I'm really looking forward to uh, fishing season kicking off and me mm -hmm. working three days on, two days off. Oh, I'm four Start. on, one off. Yeah, well, sucks to be you. <laughs> yeah. It gives me two days in between trips to like maybe throw in, go up, like grab a fucking raft from Sotar and maybe get some R1-ing in. Yeah. Go R1 Nugget and Powerhouse. It'd be fun. I'm looking at, uh, so this company I work for has got uh, Middle Fork permits. So six-day floats in Idaho. Dude, I'm I would love to. I'm hoping to go swamp with those guys and, and I'd love know, to, whatever. I, I, yeah, I know you can't, but, that. Uh, but uh, you know, maybe next year, maybe a year and a half, two years, yeah. whatever it takes. At some point. we got to go check out Canyon Creek. We do have to. Let's talk about that. So once you get you an opportunity. Yeah. Oh, okay. Once you get an opportunity... Uh, they were both not working. Right. I don't we'll, I'm not sure if that'll even happen First while we're fishing. First three weeks in November, I think, probably. Maybe. I'm going to Hawaii. Okay. First time I've ever flying anywhere with my wife after 25 years of marriage, we're going to go to Hawaii for a week. Hawaii for a week? Yeah. Check that Why out. Why not two weeks? Uh, I don't I mean, know, because we just did going a, there. Yeah, we just did a we week. Might as well stay for two. We're just staying for a week. Yeah, we're, going with a, we're going with her cousin and her husband. Oh, okay. And, uh... And uh, we're just going to spend a week over there and do all the touristy shit. So the next time we go back, we can kind of do whatever we want, you know. Oh, you're going to go like on a wild boar hunt? Uh, that's on trip two. Yeah, I got a buddy, <laughs> of, mine, got a buddy of mine that lives on the mainland, main island, or the big island. And uh, he's got some friends. He's got some friends. He's got some land. And uh, and we're not talking rifle or bow. I'm no, you got to do it with spear. a knife. No, full spear. Oh, you get a spear? Boar spear, yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's that's kind of where I want to go with it. We'll see how it pans. But, so uh, the buddies I have from Hawaii... Uh, knives. They do it with a knife and dogs. That's a little more radical than I want to get into. It's a little more radical. That's your thing, baby. Hey, you do you. But, uh, you know, i got to get up and go to work the next day. They've been doing it their whole lives. Yeah. Well, so i got a big Randall. It might be fun. <laughs> Tie it to a stick or something. I don't know. Uh, but, yeah, Canyon Creek, uh, that thing that Jay Boo and you guys want to do. Um, way up the backside. Well, I don't know. Do you want to get, like, where it is or... Well, it's in Southern Oregon. Yeah. And we need someone with a winch on a 4x4 vehicle to get us to the put-in. If and not... a capable four-wheel drive. A ca right. Capable, yeah. So if, if we can't get that, then we have to hike like four miles to the put-in with all of our gear. That country is like folded and it's like, up scrotum skin, from what, man. Right. It's and what rough. we were looking at, it was going almost straight up the hill. Yeah. Like, if this is the beginning of the trail, we're in for a, a quite a long trip. Because you didn't cross the main no, creek we there we stopped first. at Josephine Stop Creek, and we were like, well, we can't drive through this creek. No. <laughs> well, you can hire, and I know where those crossings are. Okay. Yeah, and I did all the map recon and been playing around a little bit up there in fact, that's why I'd see if you wanted to go up there today, but didn't pan. Um, but yeah, no, I, th I think I can get you up there, and I don't know when the water's going to come up. Was it December, maybe? November, if we get some rain? I have no idea. We're just going to keep watching the gauges, and when the gauges start to spike, we're going to start getting a hold of people and try to like do a mad scramble and get everything together. Is that like kayaks and arcs, really? short boats, R2s, narrow stuff, pack rafts? What are you talking? Mostly probably R2ing. Okay. So we're probably going to try to get a couple of the new Sotar uh, Rogue Series boats and go up there, probably try to get like Jeremiah and Chris and uh, kind of our whole boating crew mm -hmm. to go up and run it all. That way we have safety while we're up there. But you also mentioned you had a drone. I do. Now, would we be able to scout the canyon with the drone before we launch? I don't think I got the range to do the whole canyon. How much range you got? Like a mile? Uh, half a mile, three quarters maybe. But I think if we get back into the high point up there where it drops down into the into Canyon Creek, if I sit up there, I could probably send it up Canyon. And then I can also send it down Canyon. At least that'll pick out strainers and, and uh, all right. that. You know. So we should probably do reconnaissance on where we're going to do that as well. Yeah, that's a good call. I, mean, right. I know where that point is because I was up there because it kind of cuts back over to Sebastopol Creek and 
And there's a bunch of old mines up in there, but uh, but yeah, that's totally doable, depending on weather. If it's pouring down rain, then you're probably Maybe not going to see a whole lot. Probably not a good idea to fly the drone up there, but we'll see. I think if it's pouring down rain, I think we should probably not be launching. Yeah, because that's a big water crossing. As it, because that means as the water's coming up, it's going to be picking up debris. Uh, you would want to wait until it starts to come back down. Well, how about this? If we time the weather right, we go in right before storm, bivy, and then as the water comes up, you can, or as the water's high, it blows all that stuff out, and then you launch on the down current, because you're only talking five, six miles of, of water before you get down to the Illinois. I think it's maybe seven. I think it's four miles until you hit Josephine Creek. And that's probably another three. At which point, Josephine Creek would be blown out It'd be as well. Raging. And that would be a rowdy trip to the Illinois. Yeah. Which would pump us out right above the Green Right above Trussell Green Bridge. Bridge, yeah. Right above Green Bridge. Yeah. Yeah. That, that would be huge. I mean, Josephine Creek's going to get ginormous in there, and there's some. I was looking yeah. at that the other day and like just straight running shoots and then at just lower water rocks in there. At lower water, me and Joshua Blue carried the pack rafts up probably like a mile and a half until we hit points where we couldn't touch or like get on a bank. There was like a little gorge. Mm -hmm. And we got to that point and it was like, all right, well let's just float here. back down. And it, it was fun at low water. And, but there was a lot of features in there that, well, would, yeah. if you put a lot of water in there, things would get big and fun. Well, and then that's all serpentine. That's like rafting through obsidian, dude. <laughs> Hope you don't slice a raft, dog, because there's some bad spots in there. Yeah, well, you know. I'd blown tires up in there just driving around. That's pretty wild. Yeah. In fact, uh, Garn and, uh, who was that uh, tall, skinny dude? Matt. We did the swimming hole tour one day. We went up, went up Taylor Creek and then went out to uh, Spalding Ponds and then we went down Deer Creek on the Illinois and then went up Josephine Creek. Just it's a big tour. Yeah, I sliced the hell out of my truck tires up in there. <laughs> was, I ended up getting new tires the next day. They were about shot anyway, but it wasn't good. Uh, but there was a lot of beer drank that day. Yeah, that checks yeah. out. Well, I think it's about time we shut her down. Let's do this thing. Good talking with you, Mike. Hey, uh, always good. And uh, anytime you want me to guest guest, always here. Thanks. Bye. See ya.